Hey, this is Angela and welcome back to I Must Discuss. And in this episode, I must discuss episode four of House of the Dragon called King of the Narrow Sea. There are some developments that I just did not see coming. Um, and you, maybe you did, I didn't. So just as a warning, this is a recap. It is full of spoilers for episode four. So if you haven't watched the show yet, go watch the show and then come back and listen to this recap. All right, let's get started. Okay, so this episode, which I am calling A Knight's Tale, okay, (laughs) T-A-L-E. I am calling it that because I feel like it's one night, you know, and and all the repercussions. But anyway, so we're just going to go chronologically through the episode. That's just like how I like to do it. That way I don't like forget to mention something. So the show opens with Rhaenyra. She's on tour doing, I guess, the Westeros version of speed dating. So she's fidgeting with her necklace that Damon gave her in the first episode. And then we hear this Beric Dondarrion, he's pitching himself as her husband. Now, he's probably older than that maester, okay? He's a very old man. He's just, he's awful as a prospect. He knew her great-grandma or something, so he's too old. Then, like, the camera pans out, and he's just, like, one of a long line of not great choices. They're either too old or too young. Borman Baratheon steps forward, and he's basically a child. He can't be more than 13. And her advisor, who I was not able to identify, I don't know who was sitting beside her, but he was like, the Blackwoods are an ancient house with a formidable army, so, you know, they would be a good asset. But then, you know, while they're sitting there, this other guy in the crowd, his name is Breakin, I think, he starts heckling the boy. Rainier just has enough, and she's like, I'm going, we're going back to King's Landing, I'm done. And so, but while she's doing that, like in the background, the little boy, the Baratheon boy, he ends up like killing the heckler. So it's like, okay, he had said he could protect her. I guess he's showing that. While they're on the ship riding back, Damon sideswipes Rhaenyra's ship with his dragon, Craxes. And it's like, oh Lord, here he comes. So back in King's Landing, like the court is assembled in the throne room to receive Damon. No one has seen him really since he left to do that war in the Stepstones. So like everyone's kind of anxious, like, okay, what mess is he going to pull? All right. So he comes in with a fresh haircut and a crown. And he declares that he's been named the King of the Narrow Sea. And everybody's like, what is this mess? But then he gets on his knees and he surrenders those lands to King Viserys. And so after like a tense minute, Viserys embraces him back into the fold. So I guess they're having like a picnic in his honor to celebrate. And so Viserys, you can hear him and Damon kicking and reminiscing. Reminisce on the love we had. Reminisce, reminisce. They're reminiscing about mom and all that stuff. Just really, Viserys is really just happy to have his brother back. Also notable in this scene is that Alicent and Rhaenyra appear to have mended their friendship. So they've been on the outs for a couple episodes ever since, you know, Alicent ended up becoming her stepmom. So they walk away from the Kiki session. Alicent was like, 
oh, you know, how hard could it be to find somebody? You know, all the men in the kingdom want you. And Rhaenyra's like, no, they just want my name and my blood for their children. Alison's like, oh, that's romantic. You know, as a joke. But then Rhaenyra shades the heck out of her by saying, how romantic it must be to get imprisoned in a castle and made to squeeze out airs. So, ouch! Alicent's feelings are clearly hurt. Rhaenyra apologizes. Alicent lets her know that Viserys is frustrated that she quit that speed dating tour that he put a lot of work into. But she's glad that her friend is back because she doesn't have any friends since she's become queen. Now, new scene, Damon is in what I think is the godswood, but some outdoor space at the palace. And Rhaenyra starts speaking to him in High Valerian. And then she's like, you seem so content on Dragonstone. Like, why are you here, Unc? And so he starts like thumbing the necklace he gave her. And he said that he wants the comforts of home. And so looking back at the first episode and knowing what happens later, has he been grooming her? Like, waiting for her to come of age? Like, I don't know. Let me know what you think. But, you know, back to the scene. Rhaenyra tells him he's maybe matured since, you know, he squatted on Dragonstone and went to war. And he's like, so have you in the last four years? And so, and that she'll get used to the attention. So I guess they're trying to let us know she's like 19 now. And so Rhaenyra's like, I don't want to get married. I don't want to be sold to the highest bidder. And then Damon says that marriage is political. And when she's married, she can do what she wants. And Rhaenyra's like, well, I'm a woman. It's not going to work for me in that way. It really, it's a death sentence. And... Damon's like, if it's a death sentence, then why is my first wife still around? Uh, and he called her a bronze bee. And so, like, I want to see, like, who is Damon's wife? Like, we have learned episode after episode, he can't stand her. He doesn't like her. What is wrong with his wife? So I want to, we better meet his wife at some point. So Rainier is like, well, I don't want to end up like my mom. And Damon's like, you can't live in fear. And, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. He's correct. You cannot live in fear. And now we're back at the small council. Tylan Lannister, always the bearer of bad news, it seems like, says that Lord Corliss, also known as the Sea Snake, is now the problem for them. Apparently, the Sea Snake is still butthurt over the king not marrying his daughter. So then the Hand, Lord Hightower, tells the king that the sea snake is marrying his daughter to the sea lord of Bravos's son. So the daughter that Viserys rejected is now marrying the son of the sea lord of Bravos. And so that means they're forming he's forming an alliance with the free cities. So then everyone's looking at Rhaenyra like it's time that she chooses a spouse. And I almost forgot to mention in this scene, it seems like Rhaenyra has been promoted to actually having a physical seat at the table, but I don't think she's allowed to talk. So now, new scene, we find Alicent uh, looking dead behind the eyes as she's trying to calm her baby down. And this is juxtaposed to Rhaenyra, who is literally about to have the night of her life. Now, from here on out, the rest of this recap, 
I'm giving you a content warning. I'm going to be talking about mature adult situations. Listener discretion is advised. So Rhaenyra arrives at her bedroom and she tells Sir Kristen goodnight. And, you know, she goes into her room. You know, she's just getting ready to go to sleep, you know, wind down for the day. And she finds a bag on the back of her chair. If I came home and there was like a bag on my chair, I would probably ignore it. So <laughs> uh, I guess credit to her for like paying attention to that anyway. So she opens the bag and there's an outfit in there. There's like clothes and like a hand-drawn map showing her how to sneak out of her room. Rather than being creeped out, like, who would do that? Rhaenyra gets dressed, and we now see her in disguise, making her way through the crypt, where she meets some dark, mysterious stranger for a night in Flea Bottom. No, it's not a stranger. It's her uncle, Damon. So we see, so now we're in Flea Bottom, and, you know, it's just really a chaotic atmosphere. We see naked people coupling in public we see you know a pyromancer you know somebody playing with fire a fortune teller some man is walking on a tightrope basically from Rainier's perspective it it's really looking like a circus just like a circus so in this next phase of the episode we just get intercutting scenes between Allison's night at the palace and Rainier's night out on the town and so at this point, we're back at the palace and we're checking in on Allison and the king, her husband, you know, we, we know that he's, I don't want to say sickly, but he gets cuts and his wounds don't heal. So he's taking a bath and she's in there with the servants and she just dismisses the servants and she takes care of him herself. And then we cut back to Flea Bottom, where Damon has brought Rhaenyra to a play where they're basically making fun of her and saying she really should not be queen. And Rhaenyra's like, well, I don't care what they think. What, ma- what does it matter what these people think? And Damon's like, well, you need to care about what they think if you hope to rule them one day. And it's like, okay, for the umpteenth time, we get the message, no one wants a woman queen. We get it. They don't they don't want Rainier as queen. We get it, we get it, we get it. Okay. I guess that's just my little pet peeve at this point. Like, okay, we know we hear you. Got it. Now here's where things take a turn. This is definitely the part I did not see coming. Okay. So Damon then takes her to a brothel and essentially exposes her to What I'm going to say is the Westeros version of porn, okay? Meanwhile, you know, the the intercutting continues between the scenes, right? Meanwhile, Alicent is laying motionless with the king hunching on top of her. And it's definitely giving, I let him do his business on me from the color purple. Or that saying from the Victorian era, you know, lay back and think of England. She's not a participant. It's really, really sad she's just laying there. Then we are back to Rhaenyra and her uncle Damon, and he's 
telling her that coupling can be enjoyable for both men and women. And then he begins to show her how. I'm like, oh my God. But he stops before it goes too far. He can't follow through with it. The fandom is speculating, right? Like, why couldn't he follow through? Is it because he suddenly has a conscience? No, I don't think that's it. And here's why. Because at the beginning of this scene, when they enter, she's like, what is this place? And he said, it's, and he tells her it's a place where people take what they want. I think because she was like an equal participant. I mean, she was into it. He couldn't take anything from her. So he didn't want it anymore. That is my perception. She had power too in this situation, I guess, maybe, I don't know. But like, I think because he wasn't like dominating her that he just wasn't into it anymore. Damon is all about power and control. And I think he just couldn't handle it and he leaves. Now I've heard other speculation that he stops because maybe he actually loves her. I guess that could be true, but I'm going with the idea that like he couldn't like dominate her and that's why. But who knows? So Rhaenyra gets back to her room fired up from, you know, what she experienced at the pleasure house, the thrill of being out on the night. So she's all giddy getting back to her room. And, you know, after a sequence of teasing him with his helmet, she seals the deal with her Kingsguard, Sir Christian, whom she's been flirting with, you know, since episode one. Now, she may not be the queen of Westeros, but she is the queen of the night. Now, I admit I was very surprised by the turn of events in this episode, but, you know, let's not forget this woman rides dragons, okay? Of course, she's wild. And she's rebellious, too, so I guess I should have seen this coming. So the morning after, Damon wakes up, still at the brothel, by Masaria, who we haven't seen for a bit. If you recall, she's the one that he pretended was pregnant and that he was going to marry back in episode two. She's basically, like, giving him energy that, like... I don't need you. I'm over you. You're you're trash, Damon. So back in the king's room, here comes Otto Hightower, the hand, first thing in the morning with the hot tea that Rhaenyra got busy with her uncle at a brothel. But how does he know this, right? So apparently he had a spy following her. Viserys is like, well, what proof do you have? Hightower doesn't want to give up his source. And it's like, ugh. Okay, so then, meanwhile, Rhaenyra meets up with Alicent, who is very much, you know, on her high horse. She's very upset about the rumor that she slept with her uncle Damon. And at first, I was like, why would she be so upset by that, right? You know, it's kind of like not her business. But then it occurred to me it is her business because Rhaenyra needs to marry well for the sake of the kingdom. And, you know, her virtue, you know, at this time is a big bargaining chip. So she's compromised. She's not going to get a very good marriage. And then that could actually put the kingdom at stakes. I was like, okay, that makes sense to me. But um, Rhaenyra's like, 
he didn't touch me. You know, I swear upon my mama's memory, he didn't, we didn't do anything. And like, that is technically true, but you know, she, it wasn't with her uncle, it was with somebody else, but you know. So now we've got a very hungover Damon dragged into the throne room to see the king. And Viserys is like kicking him and it's like, admit you defiled my daughter. Point being, we find out the real reason he came back is not for a reunion with his brother, but he wants to actually marry Rhaenyra so he could be king since she's still the heir. And as suspected, Damon has like not changed one iota and he is back on his bull. He had no regard for his niece's reputation. Viserys once again orders him to go back to the Vale, but I doubt he'll actually go back there. Maybe he will and we'll finally see his wife that he hates, but I, I don't think he'll go back to the Vale. Just like a Scooby-Doo villain, I'm sure he'll think of something else to pop back up. So I know in the past I've been very hard on Miss Alicent, but I think I'm the layoff for her now because she really in this episode stepped up for Rhaenyra. So Alicent is trying to convince Viserys that Damon simply led Rhaenyra astray. But Viserys like, Nabu, I know my daughter. They both have the blood of the dragon and are restless and chaotic. He's like, my daughter is not innocent. Then Rhaenyra has to face her daddy. And of course, he starts off philosophical, waxing poetic about a story about Aegon. And he hands her the dagger. On the dagger, there's the prophecy about the prince who was promised in the Song of Fire and Ice. And he uses that to remind Rhaenyra of her responsibilities. And he is going to make her marry Laenor Valerian, the son of the sea snake. She's like, fine, whatever. But what about your boy, Lurch, AKA Otto Hightower, the hand? She's like, I'll marry him. Not Hightower, but I will marry Laenor, but you need to fire your boy. I'm guessing between the time Rhaenyra told him to fire Hightower and to the time it was actually the time to fire Hightower. That was a really clumsy way to say that. Viserys put together, looking back through Hightower's rise to power, like how he definitely was manipulating people and situations to put himself in power. And he realized that he had been manipulated. So he fires Hightower. Hightower doesn't see it coming, but I think it's clear even in the preview for the next episode that this is definitely um Hightower is not going to slink away into the darkness he is determined to get his grandson on the throne and I think that we're going to see some backroom dealings to make that happen and finally Rhaenyra is chilling in her room and the maester brings her some tea that I guess we would call plan b in today's <laughs> in today's terms but he brings her some contraceptive tea to prevent any, you know, baby that may have come out of her night of shenanigans. So here are, you know, my my impressions, my final impressions of the episode. It shocked the heck out of me. I have to keep reminding myself that it's in the canon of this universe that the Targaryens are incestuous. So it's not beyond the pale for Damon to get with his niece. But I don't know. I... 
I just can't get over that. But even given that, I did think there was a shred of decency with Damon, but I'm just going to have to admit I was wrong. Putting a current day lens on it, I think that he had been grooming her over the years to want to be with him. With the gifts and the flirtations, that's my interpretation of it. They did mention that she was 19 in this episode, but if we do the math from when we first met her four years, but, you know, Damon is just trash. Now, Allison, I did gain some sympathy for her this episode. Yes, she did what she did, but her life is pretty bad. So that being said, I am glad that she and Rhaenyra's friendship is on the mend. One thing I forgot to mention earlier, when Rhaenyra goes to visit her dad, we get a flash of Sir Kristen's face and his eyes are all wide, like, you're not gonna rat us out, are you? You know, and so I'm wondering if Kristen is gonna be able to keep his cool. I think he's kind of too honest to keep that quiet. Like, I feel like if he got questioned, he would like fess up to it because he's noble. But like, I don't know. I'm kind of interested to see, like, how is he able to navigate the situation? Now, next week, it looks like the uh, the king goes to Driftmark to make the marriage deal with the sea snake. It looks like there's a fight at the reception, and we see Allison crying in the rain, being told to prepare her son to rule. So, obviously, the plot thickens. What are your predictions? What do you think is going to happen? There's six episodes left, so there are lots of room for some twists and turns. Thank you for listening to I Must Discuss. If you like the show, leave a five-star rating and a review and subscribe. Leave a voice message. I'd like to hear from you.